drinker. And so the disparity in Roman society between the richest and poorest members was reflected in the contents of their goblets. For wealthy Romans, the ability to recognize and name based on smell and taste what the wine was, where it came from, and, 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 and its quality was considered a mark of refinement and culture and learning. In fact, the finest wine of all during the first century was, was called Faler- Falerian. It was from the Italian wine uh, grown in a region of Campania, south of Neapolis, what we call Naples today, on a, on, in very specific portions of Mount Falarnus. And this is probably the wine which the wine steward, the master of the feast at the wedding of Cana, thought he was tasting. He was that surprised. And he's somebody who, who would have known. He would have been a sommelier, was what we call them today. That's probably what he was. It's very interesting, isn't it, that today's narrative in our gospel lesson begins with a wine shortage, a wine shortage at a wedding, something which, which would never have happened in the ancient world. You, know, you can run out of food, but you can't run out of wine in the ancient world. It was considered a major faux pas. And what did Jesus do? Jesus ordered the servants to take the six water pots used according to the manner of Hebrew purification, each containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece, And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And the master of the feast, when he tasted the water that had become wine, and he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast said to the bridegroom, every man sets out the good wine, and when guests have well drunk, the inferior. You have kept the good until now. In other words, you have kept the best for last. And he's amazed. The sense is that he's just shocked. He can't believe what's being served. It's amazing to him. And these people, as I said, were experts of great sophistication. And the idea that I want to drill down on today, that I really want to focus on today, is when St. John writes in today's gospel, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and he did not know where it came from. He did not know where it came from. He couldn't identify it. It was so good, but he couldn't identify it. See, he should have been able to do that. He couldn't. It was, it was beyond superb. He did not know where this superb wine came from. The sommelier was stumped. And I believe the wine here in today's gospel lesson is, is a metaphor for God's gifts to us. Because wine, as it's used, oinos, as it's used in the scriptures, it, you know, when it's used positively, it is seen as, as representing the fullness of God's blessings to men and to humanity. That's the reason in Genesis 27, verse 8, God says, Therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Judges 9.13 echoes this idea when metaphorically the, the vine said to them, should I cease the new wine which cheers both God and men? Or Psalm 104 verse 15 which teaches us that wine makes glad the heart of men. Therefore wine 
symbolizes, wine used in restraint and moderation symbolizes the joy of God's good gifts. It's an evidence of God's pleasure with you, with us, with his people, and his good things. And I think it is no accident that the wine miracle occurs at a wedding. Because, you know, even in the Garden of Eden, before there was sin, God saw that the man was alone. And he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Therefore, I will make for him a helper fit for him. And when, when Adam saw his wife, what did he say? Now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be Isha because she was taken from the Ish, from the husband. She's the wife. And he, he sang those words with joy. Because it is not good for the man to be alone. And he who finds a wife finds a good thing in the favor of the Lord, Solomon tells us. Yes, it is true. And furthermore, the wine, the, the wine shortage in today's framing, today's gospel lesson illustrates the, the, the eternal joys of God as well. It, 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 it is a reminder to us and, and, a, and a caution to us that we cannot by our own reason, reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ our Lord nor come to him, but the Holy Ghost must call us according to the gospel and God must enlighten us through his gifts and keep us in the one true faith. Yes, wine is a metaphor in today's gospel lesson for the eternal joys that only Christ brings to us through his word and his sacraments. Otherwise, why would have Jesus used wine in the Last Supper? You know, he could have used anything for a sacrament. You know, why on the night in which he's betrayed did he take the cup? And after he had supped, he blessed it and gave it to him, saying, Take, drink, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. He was joining his promises of forgiveness and eternal life and the certainty of eternal life in heaven with wine. Because wine is a metaphor of life's joys, especially the joys of the eternal wedding feast, the Lamb in heaven. Yes, yes, it's a warning to us as well, though, a caution to us maybe that, 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 that this world's joys, when we try to generate them through our own reason or strength, and faith, when we try to generate it through our own reason or strength, will eventually fail. Yes, it is good to try to be positive. I agree with that, to think positively. And yet to think positively, positively all the time for my own resources without God's intervention is difficult and eventually it is impossible. In fact, it can be fatal. Paul Barney saw this in real life. He was, he was on a cruise ship in the Baltic Sea in the, in the middle of the night in the Baltic in the darkness. His, his cruise ship ran into another ship and it sank. And it was winter, and it was, the water was cold, and he was in this raft, and it was, it was being you know, tossed about in the waves, and they were being constantly soaked. And there was a guy in that sickening soup of dying men and women, he recalled, in that cold, wet, miserable reality that he was in. He nicknamed the guy Mr. Positive, because as the waves pounded the craft, the guy kept saying, it's going to be all right. Things are going to, you know, we're going to get rescued soon. It won't be long. They're gonna, we're going we're gonna to get out of this. We're going to get through this. And sometime during the darkness, before the dawn rose, the man gave up and laid down his head on the side of the raft and, and gave in to the hypothermia. Barney said, I guess his positivity ran out. Stock, Stockdale, who was in a, in a Vietnamese prison during the Vietnam War, was asked the question once, who, is it, who died in the prison camps? And he said, the positive guys. They died first. 
See, the wedding of Cana tries to tell us that that the wine of human optimism, unless it comes from, from God, runs out. And that's true in a marriage, and it's true in the rest of life as well. Yet, there is a solution. There is a solution. And that solution is found in the, in the direction of St. Mary that she gives to the servants. Mary is often called the metaphor. She's metaphorical for the church. And here she really is, because what does she say to the servants at the feast? She says, whatever he says to you, do it. How simple. Whatever he says to you, just do it. Right? Ultimate eternal joy is discoverable in that simple sentence. Being a Christian isn't really that hard to figure out. If we hear what what Mary tells the servants of the feast, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And when we do it, when we we hear preaching in Christ's word, when we come to his his altar to eat his flesh and drink his blood under under the veils of bread and wine, right? You know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. When we hear his word and when we, we receive communion, we see and taste the forgiveness of our sins. And what are we doing? We are just doing what Jesus told us to do, right? We are just doing what we're supposed to do. I mentioned in the first service, you know, how pastors, we sit around and have our meetings and, oh, how, how, are we to, how, you know, how are we to save the church or how's the church to grow or how are these things to happen? You know, what program, what thing are we to do? Whereas, what does Jesus say? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them everything I've commanded you and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Just whatever he tells you to do, do it. And this is actually, interestingly, borne out by science. There was actually a, um, there was a, uh, some research done by the University of Texas at Austin a few years ago, uh, and, it, and it, it, it was found an interesting correlation between longevity and church attendance, that people that attended every Sunday for church, on average, lived 6.6 years longer than people who didn't. And those who came more than once a week lived an extra year, 7.6 years. Something to think about, right? Next Sunday when you think about cutting church. I'm just saying. It's the University of Texas at Austin. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think, they're prob- and I think this is a real thing. Why? Why would there be a, long, a greater longevity of earthly life? Well, because when you know you have eternal life, then the cares of this world weigh less on your shoulders. The things that happen, you know that God is going to give you this day your daily bread. He doesn't, even, he doesn't guarantee you tomorrow. You just have today. And that's good. And then he's going to give you this day your daily bread. And that you know as a Christian, because you believe and are baptized, that he that believes and is baptized will be saved. You know that as a Christian, because you've come to the communion and, 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 and taken and eaten and take, taken and drunk the body and blood of Christ... You have received the forgiveness of sins, that, that you, you, you have walked out of this building with a clear conscience, knowing that all is right between you and God, and that now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right? You know, it is true that somebody somewhere is being run over by a bus, but if you're in Christ and you're forgiven, then all that happens is you wake up in heaven. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to know that through Christ and his word and his sacraments, that he has given you a peace 
that the world cannot give. In the name of Jesus, amen.